0: is a special African-American community with special people. Most of the early arrivals came to Sarasota looking to better their lives. An indomitable spirit emerged out of their struggle, and a strong faith ushered them through many challenges. The Newtown Alive Project recorded oral history interviews to preserve community history and pride. I'm Vicki Oldham. Limus Dixon Jr. came of age on what is now the Marie Selby Botanical Gardens. His father, Limus Sr., was a groundskeeper for the Selbys for over 50 years. During summer months, Dixon took his sons to work. they play, work a little, and run errands with Uncle Bill Selby. Here, cherished memories of Limus Dixon Jr.
1: The Selbys were actually like family. My father actually never bought a vehicle, had to buy a car, never had to buy a truck. He always had transportation that you would provide for the family. They bought our us home. They moved us out of the project when I was born. And I'm the fifth child out of seven. <laughs> So, I have two brothers under me. The Selvies were very good people. They were very kind. We always called Miss Selby Miss Selby. Everybody except my mom. She called her Marie. <laughs> William, which to us was Uncle Bill. Uncle Bill, he was a great man. He took us hunting and fishing when uh, he wanted to go. My father always went along if we didn't. Uh, When I'm saying we, I'm talking about mainly me and my oldest brother.
0: That Selby name is quite well known in Sarasota. The low-key millionaire couple lived modestly and gave generously. Marie Selby, a pianist, was the first woman to cross the country by automobile William was a partner in the Selby Oil and Gas Company with his father.
1: And my father was a chef, so whatever they went for, whether it was fishing or hunting, my father cooked on the spot,
0: so. Limas Dixon Sr. was born in Dublin, Georgia in October. 1914. He entered the Army during World War II in 1943, and was a short-order cook until an honorable discharge in 1946.
1: There was another gentleman. I would never known nothing of his name other than Cap, which stood for Captain. He was the one the captain of the boat that stayed there in the on the bayside of the property. So they had a nice boat that was parked there. On the boat, got to go out fishing. And anytime the boat would would move, it had definitely had to have cap because he was the captain. We would go out and catch fish. I guess probably some of the first fish I ever caught, I was with them. Come back, I guess that's when I learned to clean fish. <laughs> Clean fish, my daddy would cut them and, and cook them. Downtown Sarasota, <laughs> when you went shopping, there were places like Five and Ten and Crest. When we were in those places, and Uncle Bill was there with us, and they had the colored and white water fountains and restrooms. If you asked to go to the restroom, they show you a door, And that door led to Outback. Water fountains, they had two water fountains, one with nice cold water and the other one for the color that just had just tap water. Uncle Bill wouldn't let us drink out of the colored water fountain. He would say, boy, get you some of that good cold water. So racism, I guess, never was in his eyesight. Miss Selby always loved driving big cars. She had a big Cadillac, if I remember. It was kind of a teal green, <laughs> and Mr. Selby would drive whatever came to it. <laughs> we had uh, actually Miss Selby bought my first vehicle. I was a senior in high school and I wanted to purchase a vehicle. I started working at the age of 12. Actually my first job, I got through my father with some people that was very good friends of the service. They were the Petersons and I used to cut their yard. Uh, They asked me what did I charge. And I told him one seventy-five an hour. And big yard. But it didn't take me no more than a half hour to cut it. So I'm trying to figure out how am I going to make some money by cutting this yard. And so I did it two or three times. And I finally went to my father and I said, Dad, I say, I'm cutting this yard, but I'm not making any money. He said, well, I've been waiting on you to say something. He said, for one thing, you don't charge by the hour for this type of work. You charge by the job. So that was a, a lesson. I learned a lot from my pop, like I say. He was the caretaker, plant person at the service. In the evening, he was a chef. He cooked all around Sarasota. Two of the main places were Zen's Restaurant, which was... Highly known back in that time. And Colony Beach out on Longbow Key. Both of them are gone now.
0: The Selby's seven-acre property is situated on Sarasota Bay, bordered also by the Hudson Bayou.
1: Well, let me tell you about the time when (laughs) I almost lost my life twice in one day. (laughs) My brother and I was building a raft to go out in the water. My father saw it and he said, boy, don't you take my boy out there on that thing. Soon as it got ready, we hit the water. We got out, the wind changed, Towed raft up. We hung out on an oyster bed. And my father standing at the shoreline with his hands on his hip. I knew what that meant. My father swam out and got me. My brother swam back. I didn't know how to swim.
0: Limas shares another story about nearly losing his life.
1: We went in for lunch and came back. My brother had a visitor from Tampa, and they were the big boys, older boys. They weren't bigger than me. They were older. But I, had, I couldn't walk with them. I had to walk behind them. So walking behind them, I stepped in a hole and went down. And I, every time I hit the bottom of the hole, the only thing I could think of was to spring up, fair. And I did that about three, four times before my brother grabbed me by the arm and pulled me out. So later that day, I told my dad, I said, well, I'm not coming back this, this summer. He said, why? I said, because I'm going to summer school. And he said, summer school? I said, yeah. And so, but summer school in that time was not like academics, like kids are today. I said it was a lot of arts and crafts, learning how to swim. So that was my reason was to go and learn how to swim. Before the summer was over, I was a junior lifeguard. So I did learn this well
0: from that. Limus learned the skills of his dad.
1: Well, it was taking care of the family. You know, it. he didn't... My dad cooked. I don't, can't tell you what he couldn't cook. And it's the same with me because I am a retired master chef. And people ask me all the time, what is my favorite? It's hard to say, because I can cook so much and so many different nationalities. One of my favorites is Caribbean. I love cooking Caribbean food. But as far as my father, oh, he did something one night. We both were on Longboat Key cooking. He was at the Beach, and I was on the other end, a uh, place called Longboat Marina, the Poor Man's Yacht Club was nothing poor about it. <laughs> I left work, and I decided, well, stop by and check on Pop. So they were cleaning the kitchen for the night, and the owner came in with a, a date and another couple. <laughs> and he ordered food, sent it in the kitchen by the waiter, and my dad read the whole thing, looked at it, Gave it back to the waiter and told him, go tell him the kitchen's closed. I'm saying, wait a minute, pop this man on this place. You know, that's something you just and so <laughs> the owner came into the kitchen and you could tell he was on fire. And he got right in my daddy's face and looked at my daddy and said, Lamas, damn it, those are my rules. When the kitchen's closed, the kitchen is closed. So he went back to the waiter and asked the waiter could he find something for them to eat. So they wind up eating shrimp cocktail and <laughs> not anything solid.
0: <laughs> Mrs. Juanita Hamilton was Mrs. Selby's cook and her companion for 20 years. A photograph of Mrs. Hamilton, taken by Brad McCourtney, shows her holding an empty chair that her boss once occupied. Mrs. Hamilton's quiet dignity shines.
1: I remember Miss Juanita Hamilton, which was the maid. She's still living, but right now in a upper stage of Alzheimer's. You know, I haven't talked with her. Who knows? She might remember things from back then and might not remember today. (laughs) Yeah. The property was our playground. In the big banyan trees, we used to swing on the vines, carve our names and our little girlfriend names in the trees. And I think everybody in the family, especially my sister and I, we made sure our names was in there because our names was odd. All of the other kids had common names, Michael, Judy, Jennifer, Howard, Richard, but my name was Lamus. My sister's name was Isaiah. Finding charms like this with your name on it, everybody else in the family wearing one, but we couldn't, <laughs> cause you know, they didn't make those names. <laughs> and so I'm proud of my name. I told the story before about how I got my name. And thank God, my name was Limus. My father was an identical twin. I never knew their parents. But (laughs) the parents named them Lemon and Lime. My daddy was Lime. He changed his name to Limus. And I used to, you know, even Limus. Everybody played with my name so much throughout school and everything. Even in my senior high school book, my name in is Cyrus, Cyrus Dixon. (laughs) And I was a football player and everything. Everybody knew it wasn't right, but who's going to know that down the years? That who is
0: Cyrus? Mrs. Ida Mae Dixon was the family matriarch. She participated in several social and service clubs in Newtown, such as the household of Ruth. My mother
1: didn't work for the service. Uh, My mother did housework. She worked for some pretty good big-name people, and she was a cook. After the people that she worked for mostly died or either left town, she started cooking for Helen Payne Day Nursery. And that's another story. The Payne's were on the other end of the street as you came in to where the service lived. They had a big house, well, the house is still there. My mother worked there for the remaining of the years that she was able to work. She had triple bypass surgery. Uh, When my son was born, Uh, Lama's third. But she was a strong old girl that wouldn't take her out. (laughs) Uh, She had congested heart failure for years afterwards. Uh, She had glaucoma, you name it. You know, I have went to the hospital so many times and the doctor would count my mother out and I would, Tell him, I said, well, doctor, let me let you know this. I know you are a doctor, but you're not the doctor. So (laughs) up above is the doctor. And the doctor will come back to me later that day. And he say, well, Mr. Dixon, your mother is fine. (laughs) She can go home tomorrow. Thank you, doctor. (laughs) And... There was, you know, many years uh, afterwards that she lived, and she loved that property. She loved that property.
0: Mrs. Selby planned the landscaping around her Sarasota home and the gardens filled with blooming flowers.
1: She would buy big 50-pound bags of peanuts just to feed the squirrels. You know, if you're going to feed the squirrels, the birds are going to eat too. And one thing she couldn't stand was the loud noise of the crows. So she went and bought a gun. An air rifle. Gave it to me. And so I went to my dad, because she said only thing she said was, get rid of those birds. So I went to my dad. I said, Dad, I know she's not telling me to He said, boy, if you shoot any one of those birds, you're going to have to fight me. (laughs) And so I said, what am I supposed to do? He said, just scare them away. (laughs) And So that's what I did, you know, for a whole summer almost, just scaring birds, the crows away. Because she loved to sit, uh, and it's not there anymore, but it used to be a screen-in porch that faced out into the property. And almost anywhere from the property other than if you were in the water, you could see her sitting there. And my favorite corner was the uh, southwest corner of the property. And that was actually the same area I went in with the uh, raft and almost drowned. (laughs) But I used to like to sit there because it was calm and I can turn around and see almost the whole property. Miss how oh, she was a kind, soft-spoken, beautiful lady. She would do anything, at, you know, for my family. Like I said, she bought my first car. Had no intentions. I was not old enough to just signed for the car. So I had to have a co signer. My father, who I wanted to co sign, had signed, co signed for his twin brother years before that, and his brother never paid it back. So they wouldn't let my father sign. So he mentioned that to my mother, and she flew off the handle and said, Go and ask Marie. <laughs> and so, the next morning. My dad did. And she asked him, she she called me Junior. She says, Junior, don't Junior graduate this year? He said, yes, ma'am. He said, well, tell him to come see me. So I did. And the day I went to see her, she talked with me. and You know, because she sent kids to school every year. It was a lot of lawyers and doctors. Wasn't many of us black, you know, but she did that, you know, on a yearly basis. And what she did was found out from me where the car was, who was, on, you know, the owner and everything. And it was a car lot and the car lot was called after the guy's name and his name was Philpot. So she told me, she said, Go and see Philpott tomorrow. I said, okay. So I went there and he handed me the key and said, You're good to go. I said, Good to go. He said, Yeah, your car taken care of, your car paid for. I said, Whoa, okay. <laughs> so, but that's the kind of lady she was. I started seeing, especially after Uncle Bill died, a lot of things with their name on it. The Selby Library, the pool, and some of the places that the YMCA all had Bill and, and Marie Selby. You know, and their names is pretty much still there. 50 rich people made their money in or out of California and no kids. That's why I kind of think they treated us as their kids. Because they had no no other kids. A lot of times we would sit on the on the porch and rock. <laughs> My oldest brother, I don't think that he appreciated the property as much as I did. He appreciated it because it was a hideaway for him. He could bring his little girlfriend out there and hide in the trees. <laughs> I wasn't to that point. Yet.
0: To Limas, the Selby's legacy of giving stands out the most.
1: They valued helping people. That was the main thing that I saw from them, that they would give and give and give. For someone to send a kid to college on a full year where you don't pay anything, that meant a whole lot back then. That meant a whole lot to black, white, whoever. That's what I saw in them, you know. They were just caring people with a lot of money that didn't mind spending it. They didn't want to sit on it. You (laughs) know? Because they had too much money. You know that because we're still spending their money.
0: On the Newtown Alive trolley tours, Limas always described the generosities of the Selbys. The couple purchased the Dixon home located in Newtown. When
1: I was born, well, before I was born, they moved us out of the projects into a home, which we still have. The house had only three bedrooms in it at the time. It was a bedroom for my father and mother. There was a bedroom for the three girls and a bedroom for the boys. We had a big porch, screened in porch, that we had to have a huge Christmas tree every year. And it had to be real. I never grew up with an artificial tree. Didn't know what it was actually. <laughs> but the property is still there now. The house is actually still there. The house did get extended because it was only had it only had one bathroom. So my father added another bathroom, a laundry room, and actually made two rooms for the boys because it was four of us. My two younger brothers and I slept with my oldest brother in one room. The property had fruit trees, oh all kinds of fruit. We had everything from guavas to mulberries, oranges, tangerines, grapefruits, all that was on the on the property. We had a yard full of chickens. <laughs> My oldest brother is the one who still lives on the property right now. Before in the home, they lived in the project on Goral Court <laughs> in Newtown uh, off of Orange Avenue in 21st Street. Those projects are still there. <laughs> and it's funny because they've built new projects, in different places, but those pretty much are already gone and rebuilt, but the projects that we live that my family lived in are still there. I mean, you know, they do a little work on them. Uh, I think they finally put AC in most of them. <laughs> I don't even understand how we grew up without air conditioning. You know. <laughs> But we had a lot of winning fans. so I've never really experienced living in the project. I really don't know what the, you know, it was like, let's say I was the fifth child and my, I had uh, the oldest child was my brother, Michael. And I had three sisters that was older than me. My youngest sister, middle name, her name was Judith but her middle name was Marie. And my baby brother, first name was Howard, and his middle name was Williams. So, you know, that's just how my mother cared about them, you know, to give them their their names. But the house is like a legend to the, Anybody that know the Dixons, they (laughs) knew that 3110 North Goodrich was where the Dixons was. Uh, When we were kids the phone number was Elgin 5506 changed to (laughs) 355-5506. Still have that number. It's still 3110 North Goodrich. The mailbox still has my father's name on it. (laughs) My father passed in uh, 1990 and my mother in 2001. Before my father passed, I catered their 50th wedding anniversary, invited all of their friends and our friends, all the kids' friends, because any kid in the neighborhood was theirs. So everybody, I mean, uh, it was enough people there to wear that everybody in the room toast, had a toast with Don Perrion. <laughs> but my father at that time had had, had two scroats and walking with a cane, he just wouldn't give up driving. He would drive with that cane, pushing the pedals, <laughs> and... The night he got to the got there for a fiftieth anniversary, place full of people. Mom is there. Her brothers from Washington, DC was there. And he said my pop, my oldest brother and I went out to get him. And he looked at both of us in that straight in the face and he said, You know, I'm not walking in there with that cane. So, okay, Bob, just grab my shoulder. So that's what he did. And I looked at my dad at that time and I told him, I said, you know, you've been with this woman 50 years. I just want to live to be 50. <laughs> and he laughed. He said, uh, you'll make it, you'll see, you know, like that. And March 18th of this year makes 49 years for me. <laughs> and actually, the woman that I'm with, we've been together since high school. We started dating in 11th grade. So we've been together more than 50 years. Just been married for that long. I don't really remember the funeral or anything like that. I don't remember. I don't even remember if we attended. I think my dad did. Mom wasn't into stuff like that, you know. I mean, she was... Uh, A godly woman, a church woman, more so than Dad was, because Dad went to work. He worked days and he worked nights, you know. And he would go to church if he saw fit, but (laughs) it it wasn't in his thing. So, But I really don't remember much about their death. I remember when Miss Selby died because it was not long after I graduated. I think it was like around 72, 73, somewhere. Might, you know, might have been 71. But no, none of us that I know of really attended their funerals. My father was one of the smartest men I knew. He only had a seventh grade education. But the man could tell you every plant, every weed. And I learned a lot from him. I went to work as a park ranger out at Monica River. That place in some places remind me a lot of the property because that's natural Florida out there. But out there, I learned a lot of the plants because I knew a lot from my father. And I guess I was, I went to work there to get away from cooking (laughs) because I was young. Cooking took all your time, weekends and holidays. Those was time to cook. And so I went to work as a park ranger thinking I would get away from it. And I wound up cooking, (laughs) teaching outdoor cooking. And so they used to call me the outdoor gourmet because I would teach campers how to bake bread, pies, and all that on an open fire. And it did that for eleven years. <laughs> and I decided to go, okay, might as well go back to cooking. So that's what I did. But the selfies the one thing I would love to see is my father's name somewhere with the selfies. He was a World War II veteran him and his twin brother. Uh, my father and mother were born in Georgia. Uh, my father was born in Emanuel County. Where it is, I have no idea. My mother was born in Brownfield, Georgia. And they both moved there as little kids. So, my father worked for the service before any of us Was born. I think they loved him, and he loved them.
0: Yeah. Limas loved to tell his stories, and we loved hearing them. At age 67, he died of complications after surgery. April 13th, 2019. We miss him. Funding for this program was provided through a grant from the Florida Humanities Council with funds from the National Endowment for the Humanities. Any views, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this program do not necessarily represent those of the Florida Humanities Council or the National Endowment for the Humanities. Visit newtownalive.org for more information on this episode and other projects.